Proverbs chapter number 4, verse number 7. I want you to stay with me because we're going to be running through a lot of scripture uh, here today. Okay, a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture here today. The scripture says wisdom is the principal thing. It says, therefore, get wisdom, and, in, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So with all thy getting of what? With all thy getting of wisdom, all right? With all thy getting of that wisdom, you must have understanding. It's one thing to accumulate knowledge, accumulate things, whether it be earthly or spiritual, but if you don't have understanding of what you're accumulating, then therefore you cannot apply it. All right? There are many people that know a lot of things because of the things that have been accumulated unto them, but they don't know how to apply what they have accumulated. So that's why the scripture says, with all thy getting, getting of that wisdom, you need understanding of that wisdom. All right? You need understanding of that wisdom. So let's dive a little deeper here so we can dive into some scriptures that help us understand that there is only one God. All right, that there are not three gods, there's only one God, and that God manifested himself in flesh, and that God's name is Jesus. All right, and God anointed that body, that, that called it Christ, Christ the anointed one, Christ the Messiah, and his name was Jesus Christ. So the scripture says in Isaiah chapter number 42, starting at verse number 8, the Bible says, I am the Lord, that is my name. He says, in my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So let's put this together. Let's split this verse up into two different parts. Let's first start with the first part, which is, I am the Lord, that is my name. Okay? I am the Lord, that is my name. Well, if we move to the New Testament, okay, if we move to the New Testament, because it is important that we are able to put scriptures together. The Bible says to study, to show thyself approved unto him, rightly dividing, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All right? We are to able to put scriptures together to bring understanding. Because there cannot be a contradiction in the Bible. All right? There cannot be. If there is one, if someone says there is one, that means the whole Bible's wrong. Okay, you cannot say one part is right and another part is wrong. It's either all right or it's all wrong. Scripture even lets us know a little leaven leavens the whole lump. All right, just a, a little bit of wrong, the whole thing is wrong. So we cannot say, I believe in this and don't believe in that. You cannot say, I don't believe in the Old Testament, but I believe in the New Testament. You can't say that. It's either all right or it's all wrong. Therefore, you cannot separate the God of the old and the God of the new because it's all one God. All right? So let's first deal with the Old Testament. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name. That's what God said. I am the Lord, that's my name. So if we move to the New Testament then in Acts chapter number 9, starting at verse number 4, he says, and he, being Saul, fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Saul said, who art thou? Lord, because Saul had an understanding that there was a God, and Saul knew the Old Testament. He knew that his name was Lord. So he's asking him, who are you, Lord, because I want to have understanding of who's talking to me. He says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against 
the pricks. So in Isaiah 42, we see where the Bible says, I am the Lord, that is my name. And then in the New Testament, we see where the Lord speaks and says, my name is Jesus. So then the second part of that, it says, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to the graven image. So I want to focus on my glory will I not give to another. It is important to understand that. My glory I will not give to another. So in Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 3, Old Testament, the Bible says, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One. If you have your Bibles, you ought to underline that, circle that, highlight that. That is important to understand. He says, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. All right? I, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. So he calls himself the Holy One. Well, in the book of Acts, chapter number 3, starting at verse number 13, now we flip over to the New Testament. The scripture says, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified, see that, have glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, but you denied, who did he deny? You denied the Holy One and the just. So God refers to himself as the Holy One, and in the New Testament we see where Jesus is referred to as the Holy One. Remember in the book of Revelations, I brought this out on Sunday, I said the book of Revelation says that there's only one throne, and there's only one that sits on that throne, and his name shall be called one. Well, we know that Jesus refers to himself, excuse me, the Bible refers to Jesus as the Holy One, as it speaks of it right here. And so now it, it, it's important to see this and understand that the Bible going back to Isaiah 43 and 3, he says, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. Look, thy Savior, I am your Savior. In Acts chapter number 3, they're speaking of the Savior, you denied the Holy One. You denied the Savior, and you wanted a murderer. You denied him, the Bible says, the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And so we must understand the scripture that it talks about, uh, I am the Lord, that is my name, and we understand that his name is Jesus Christ, and that his glory he will not give to Another, He will not give his glory to no one else. The only glory went to his very own image. That is important to understand that his glory went to no one else. His glory only went to his image and his image was Jesus Christ. So the scripture lets us know and many people ask the question, who created us? Okay. Who created you and I? Well, in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 43, verse number 7, the Bible says, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for whose glory? His glory. He has created him for my glory. I have formed him, uh, formed him yea, I have made him. So then in Isaiah, chapter 45, verse number 5, Continuing on in Isaiah, says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Everyone say that. For there is no God 
beside him. So therefore, there can be no one else in heaven, no one else that shares deity, no one else that shares heaven, no one else that even shares power. Because the Bible says there's no one else beside him. There's no God beside me. He says, I girded thee, thou, though thou hast not known me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. Do you see the singular? I made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. So the scripture is highlighting and letting us know that there is only one creator. There is one God, and that one God created all things, and that one God also created mankind. So why do we get caught up on Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 26? The scripture says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, verse number 27 does give us clarity here, okay? Verse number 27, it changes from our, from plural to singular. Verse number 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Now, this verse lines up with what we just read in Isaiah chapter 45, where it says, I have made the earth and created man upon it. It lines up. Many people misunderstand verse number 26 when it talks about, and God said, let us make man in our image. So let's break this down, kind of tear it apart, put it, put it back together uh, here just, just for some fun. Uh, and so now, an interesting fact that you must understand is that if you were to talk to a Jewish rabbi, you were to talk to a Jewish rabbi, all right, Jews actually believe in one God. Jews and us agree in that. They believe, if you talk to any Jew, they believe there's only one God. They don't believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as three different personalities uh, operating co-equal with one another. They actually believe in one God. They just don't believe that Jesus was the image of that God. That's why we read in the Bible where every time Jesus referred to himself as I am, they picked up stones to stone him because the Jews recognized that he was referring to himself as God. He said this is a man making himself to be God. They said it out of their own mouth. They did not want to believe in Jesus Christ. And so there was always this pulling back and forth between the Jews and Jesus. So Jews, if you speak to a Jewish rabbi, they don't even believe in multiple gods. Okay? Actually, most of them, this is very interesting, this is not what I teach, but this is what they would teach. If you would speak to one of them about, explain to me Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, this is what they would say. Most of them actually say that God was speaking to angels when he said that. Because angels were actually present before creation. Okay, I don't have time to dive into that. If you don't understand that, you just got to roll with me. Okay, angels were actually present before creation. All right? Now, the example that Jewish rabbis give is in Genesis chapter number 11, starting at verse number 5. This is what they use. It says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. 
And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to let us. You see that? Go to let us go down and there confounded their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Jewish rabbis use this very scripture, use this very verse, saying that God was speaking to his angels when he was saying, let us make man. Because they're saying that in this particular verse here, God was speaking to his angels, which angels are ministering spirits, the Bible says. Angels are ministering spirits. And so when God said, let us go down, he's speaking to his angels, saying now it's time for us to go down and confound their language so that they cannot do what they intend to do. Now, I, I do not teach that. This is what I teach. Proverbs chapter number 8. Proverbs chapter number 8, starting at verse number 25. This is how you understand and are able to explain Genesis 1, verse number 26. Parents, I want to encourage all of you at the end of this, when you're riding home with your children, uh, the teenagers, I want you to ask them, what did they learn today? What did they, what did they grab from this today? So Proverbs chapter number 8, verse number 25. It says, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the ground. When he prepared the heavens, look what it says, I was there. So when he prepared the heavens, somebody was there. He says, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the fountains uh, foundations, excuse me, of the earth, the Bible says, then I was by him. Whew. As one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Oh, I love this scripture. Everyone's in silence saying, well, how do you explain this? Let's go back up to verse number 12. Remember what I always teach. If you're going to read something, make sure you read what's going to come before it and what's going to come after it. Someone just said, I was there with him during creation. So if you go back to verse number 12, it says who we're talking about. I, everybody say, wisdom. I, wisdom. This whole chapter and verse is speaking of wisdom. He says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and found out knowledge of witty uh, inventions. Verse number 14, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. And then if you go to verse number 22, okay, go to verse number 22, the Bible says, the Lord possessed me. Who's me? Wisdom. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways. Before his works of old. What is his works of old? Creation. Bless me in the beginning of his ways before the works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or, or ever the earth was. Wisdom. Everyone write this down. This is important. Wisdom takes on an identity. Wisdom takes on an identity. The scripture is giving that. It was his own Wisdom. God was counseling with himself. So when he said, let us, he was counseling with himself. Are you saying, pastor, that God talks to himself? Well, don't you do that? 
The problem is, is that mean if you answer yourself, and then you get in a lot of trouble with that when you start answering yourself. But God was counseling, let us make man. He was counseling, wisdom was there with him. He was counseling with himself. Oh, pastor, I don't believe that. I'm glad you said that. I'll show you Bible. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 11. Uh-huh, I love proving Bible with everything. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 11. The Bible says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him. The purpose, highlight this in your Bible, underline it. The purpose of him who worketh all things after what? The counsel of his own will. He counsels with himself. He works all things, even from the beginning. He counsels with himself. The Bible says in verse number 12 that we should be to the praise of whose glory? Because <laughs> nobody else is going to get the glory. Because <laughs> nobody else is going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. No one was there with him. All right. You want more Bible. Here's more Bible for you. Malachi chapter number 2, verse number 10. Malachi 2, sin. Have we not all one father? Have not one God? How many gods created us? Have we not one God that created us? The scripture is highlighting it and giving emphasis right here in Malachi chapter number 2, verse number 10. Have we not all one father? Have not one God created us? Isaiah chapter number 44, verse number 24, the scripture says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. He says, I, singular, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretches forth the heaven. Who, who did it? He did it alone, the Bible says, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. He was there in creation alone. He created all things alone. He created mankind alone, in his very own image. God was not talking with another God, the Son, neither was he talking to another God, the Holy Spirit. But God was counseling because wisdom was always there with him. He was counseling with himself as the scripture had said. And that's why in verse number 27, it goes from sing plural in 26 and singular in verse number 27, where it speaks so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we are created in the image of God. And I'm thankful to the Lord to know that I'm created in his image, that we have purpose in our life. Amen. So the Bible speaks of 1 John chapter number 5, starting at verse number 7. So help me understand this, Pastor. When the scripture says, for there are three that bear record in heaven. It says the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. There's three there, preacher. There's three. Help me understand that. There's three that bear record in heaven. There's the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And it says, and these three are one. Now, it's important to understand that the Father represents the originator of the message. The Father represents the originator of the message. The Word represents the expression of the message. And the Holy Ghost represents the anointing of the message. I'm going to say that one more time. The Father represents the originator of the message. The Word represents the expression of the message. And the Holy Ghost represents the anointing 
of the message. The record means the recording in heaven of what God has done. So when it says there are three that bear record, record means the recording in heaven of what God has done. So let's break this down, okay? Let's break it down. First, let's tackle the Father, all right? The Father, that's God, because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 6, it says there is one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we've established the Father, that's God. Well, now let's look at the Word. Well, that's God, because John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and that Word was God. So we've established that the Father, that's God. The Word, that's God. Let me just throw this in here real quick. When the Bible speaks of in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, it's not talking about the Word was another God or the Word was the Son. Because many, there's a false doctrine that teaches that too. That the Word was the Son or the, the Son of God. That God the Son, that, that was God the Son in the beginning with him. No, the Bible, if you look up that word, Word, it actually means the logos or the plan, the thoughts of God. The word is the plan, the thoughts of God. So in the beginning was the plan or the thoughts of God, and the word was God. So we've established that Father is God, the word is God, and the Holy Ghost comes from God. That is proven in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. The Bible says what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is where? In you. Which you have of who? which you have of God, and you are not your own. So there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, that's God. The Word, that's God. Holy Ghost, that's God. That's why it says in these three are how many? One. These three are one. Because the Father represents the originator of the message. The Word is the expression of the message. The Holy Ghost is the anointing of the message. That's why these three are one. Notice there are many scriptures I want to bring out where the words of our Father, our eternal creator, and his image, Jesus Christ, are one and the same. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 44, verse number 6, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. He says, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. In chapter number 48, verse number 12 of the same book of Isaiah, the Bible says, hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. He says, I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Now, this is important. God is referring to himself as the first and the last. I am the first and I am the last. So if we go to the book of Revelations in the New Testament, chapter number one, notice Jesus says the same thing. These are the words of Jesus. Starting at verse number eight, the Bible lets us know. It says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I was, in verse number 10, John speaking, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. 
saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and Smyrna, and Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And the Bible says in verse number 12, this is very interesting, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto, everyone say like unto, one like unto the Son of Man. So who is the writer of Revelations? John, the Apostle John, is the writer of Revelations, the one that Jesus beloved. The one that knew who Jesus was, he knew the appearance of Jesus. Therefore, if anybody would recognize Jesus, it would be John. But now here is John in the spirit on the Lord's day in the heavens seeing Jesus, but he's not quite sure it's him. Because I see someone and this one who I see, he looks like Jesus. He says, it's like unto the Son of Man, but he doesn't look the same as what I'm used to seeing him look like on earth. Why is this the case? Because now this same Jesus who John walked with, who he talked with, who he ate with, who he sat next to at the Last Supper, now he is in a glorified state. Jesus is now in a glorified state that John is not used to seeing Jesus in. He's in a state to where he's like unto the Son. He looks like the one. I can't really tell, but it sure looks like Jesus. But what I'm seeing right now is not the same person who I was walking with here on earth. And so that's why the Scripture tries to describe him. John does his best here. The Bible says in verse number 13, it says, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. The Bible says in verse 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Verse 17 says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. Here's the same words that God used in the Old Testament. What does he say? I am the first and I am the what? I am the first and I am the last. He used the exact same words that God used in the Old Testament. Now, how can Jesus be the first and the last if he's separate from God who's the first and the last? And the wonderful thing about it is, is that Jesus even gives John further confirmation that I am who you think I am. Because the very next verse in verse number 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. The Bible says, amen. And he says, and he has the keys of hell and of death. So Jesus is confirming to John that I am he. I am the one. I am the image of the invisible God. I am 
the one who you assume that I am. I'm just now in a glorified state. Let's go back to the original point. God said he will give his glory to no other. Remember that. God will give his glory to no one else. The only one that's going to get glory is his image. Because when you see his image, that is him. <laughs> that's why Jesus can say out of his mouth, I'm the first and I'm the last. Because if he was another God, God would have stopped him from saying that because he gets, no one else gets the glory but God. Wow, this is wonderful. No one else gets the glory but God. We already confirmed that in the Old Testament. God says there's nobody beside me. Nobody's going to get the glory from me. I'm the one that formed all things. I'm the creator of all things. I'm the one that formed man. Don't let anyone else teach you anything different, that there were multiple people in creation, that there were multiple people creating mankind. No, I'm the one that created mankind. I'm the one that created the heavens and the earth. Nobody's going to get the glory but me. That's why when the people came out of Egypt, the Lord, one of the first commandments that God gave them, he said, you ought to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your what? All your soul, all your strength. Right? And you're to not make any graven images because I don't want any glory going to anyone else but me. Because only God gets the glory. That's why when John the Baptist was standing in the river of Jordan and he said, if you don't praise him, he will cause these rocks to cry out and praise him. Somebody's going to give God glory. Now, I don't want to go deep into this because it's not in my notes and I got a lot more things I, I want to cover here. But you got to understand that when John the Baptist was standing in the midst of the Jordan, he was standing in the same place that his forefathers, when they crossed over the Jordan, God told them to put stones in the middle of where the feet of the priest stood. And those stones was to be a memorial so when your children ask what happened or why are those stones there, you can say that God brought us across the Jordan River. So I just dare believe that where John the Baptist was standing was the exact same spot where their forefathers put those stones. And he said, if you don't praise him, God's going to cause these rocks right here to cry out and praise him. Because these very stones that are right here, they got a reason to praise the Lord. It represents the crossing over into the promised land. That's why when you lift up the name of Jesus, you need to understand who you're lifting up. You're not lifting up a second person in the Godhead, but you're lifting up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, that's why when you pray and call upon that name, don't be using that name in vain. That's why the Lord said it. Don't just use my name in vain. You need to understand that my name has power. It has authority. And that name should mean something to you. Right. Amen. That's why many Jews won't even utter his name. Won't even speak of the name Yahweh or Joshua or Yahshua 
won't even speak of that name. Why? Because it, 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 it means so much to them. There's a reverence to it. They're God, Jehovah. And when we have an understanding who God, Jehovah is, when we can call upon the name of Jesus Christ, having an understanding that even Jesus in that moment was confirming to John, the apostle, saying, I am the first, I am the last. And John, just so you understand, I am he that lived, was dead, and now I am alive forevermore. And so, let's continue on here because many, uh, many get taught a false doctrine that Jesus is literally sitting or literally standing on the right hand of God. Can I, can I keep going here? Okay. It says, many get taught a false doctrine that Jesus is literally sitting or standing, literally standing on the right hand of God. So let's, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's dive into this then, all right? So, first of all, the word right hand, all right, in the Greek is dexios, okay? It's D-E-X-I-O-S, dexios, all right? D-E-X-I-O-S. That is the word right hand, or the phrase right hand in Greek. It's dexios. Dexios is a metaphor. And dexios is a metaphor for power and authority. That's what dexios is. It's a metaphor for power and authority. So Jesus is not at a literal right hand of God. Once Jesus ascended into heaven, he is now in a place of honor and authority. Okay? If he was at the right hand, that would again separate the two. And we have already established that there are not two different co-equal beings. We have established that. There are not two different co-equal beings. If there was, if God was sitting, or excuse me, if Jesus was sitting or standing on a right hand, that would again separate them. All right? It, it would not do it. And so when they looked up into heaven, Stephen being one, when he was being stoned to death for what he believed and what he preached, he looked up into heaven and seeing Jesus standing on the right hand of God, he was not seeing a being here that represented God and then Jesus that was on the right hand of him. Now, I want to say let's use common sense. That's, that's a little scary, but I'm going to try to do that. Okay, so let's think about that now. If Stephen was looking up into heaven, first of all, if he's seen God, all right, well, what does God look like? God is a, so the spirit have, thank, oh, my Lord, my God, my Lord, my God, thank you. Spirit has no flesh, has no bone, so God cannot have a right hand. I'm sorry, I can't, I, I, I want to get deeper, but. If, if, if that goes over your head, we're going to have to meet after church. God is a spirit. He has no flesh. He has no bone. He can't have a right hand. So how can you say that he was on the right hand of God? Well, which one was right? 
And boy, somebody online is jumping out of their chair right now saying, my Lord, no one has never told me that before. I know y'all not moving, but I feel somebody's moving online right now. Somebody type amen into the comments. If they don't do that sound team media, don't tell me. Make me think they did. Amen. He has no right hand. And so you can't be on the right hand if there's no right hand because it is a metaphor for power and authority. He is now in the position of authority, in the position of power. Why is he in the position? Because God gives glory to no one except his image. Woo, hallelujah. Except his image. Are you getting it? I, because I don't want you to fall into any type of false doctrine, all right? I, I don't want you to walk out of here and someone else tells you something different. And uh, You, you know, I, I got an understanding. When I call on Jesus, that is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is the Lord Almighty manifested in the flesh. Now he's in a glorified state, all right? So let me give you more Bible then, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 39. Let's go Old Testament. He says, see now that I, even I, I am he, and that there is no God with me. There's nobody doing it. I make all the choices. Look what he says. I kill. I make alive. Oh, I love this. I love this because this just gets down to, you know how, you know how, I got a few minutes. Bear with me. See, see. People like to separate God and Jesus because they see Jesus as the lamb. Oh, man, I wish I could talk about that. Jesus doesn't kill. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is the nice one. Jesus is the merciful one. Jesus, you know, he's just a soft little, uh, almost effeminate person that they show in movies with his long curly hair and blue eyes and nice smooth skin. And when the Bible said Jesus was ugly. Are y'all laughing? No, that's in your Bible. Can I get somebody that read the Bible say amen to that? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> amen. All right, I'll keep going. So, as the scripture says, and, 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 and so that's, that's why many people try to separate Jesus and God. Oh, my Lord. You can't do that because Jesus is the lion and the lamb. Uh-huh. All right. Can someone turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter number two right now? I, I, want you to, I want you to know the very last statement that Peter said before it triggered when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Because you know, sometimes a preacher can preach and he can preach for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, but all it takes is one thing that triggers with somebody that says, I, I need to make a change. It's amazing how I can stand up here and preach or teach for 45 minutes to an hour, but one statement catches your attention. One statement grabs you and says, I got it now, or I need to change. Something needs to happen in my life. And it, that's fine because it's, it's worth it. Acts chapter number 2, uh, I got to pull up my Bible now. Acts chapter number 2, I, I believe it's verse number 36. All right, if you can pull it up on the screen. It's Acts 2, I believe it's verse number 36, but I'm going to fact check myself. Yeah, it's 36. Look at this. Therefore, 
Peter, whether he's closing or whether they interrupted him, we don't know. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, he's both Lord and he's Christ. He's the lion and he's the lamb. He's the first and he's the last. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. Hallelujah. In verse number 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. We've killed the one from the beginning. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said, what do we need to do? Hallelujah. Peter said, you got to repent. You got to repent. And then he gave them the gospel. You got to repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's both. You can't separate the two. All right? You, you, cannot, you cannot separate them. And so back to Deuteronomy 32, 39, he says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill. I make alive. I wound. And I heal. Neither is there any, any, nobody else that can deliver out of my, my God. God doesn't even have a hand. See, 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 you got to understand the language of the Bible. See, if you don't understand the language of the Bible, you'll get confused. God is always using these type of metaphors and things like that. God, he said, nobody deliver out of my hand. He ain't got a hand. Mm -hmm. I'm in the hand of God, and nobody can pluck me out of his hand. He ain't got a hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when Jesus came, he was the image of that God. And it was that hand, it was that power, it was that authority, it was that Lamb of God that John says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. All right? Can I, can I give you a few more scriptures to validate all this? If I'm helping one person, someone say amen. All right. Let me give you more great one God scriptures that I love. Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 10. Okay? And we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Zechariah 12.10. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you want to know Pastor Robinson's, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, here it is right here. Zechariah 12.10 is one of my favorite. It's what I call my closer. So if I'm doing a Bible study with someone and I still don't have them, they're still like, uh, I still, I'm still believing there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I say, well, give me one more scripture. Before you leave, let's do one more. I go to Zechariah 12.10. He says, and I, God talking here because it's Old Testament, right? Zechariah says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me, whom they have. Oh, man. That Bible don't say that. Wait a minute. There's, there's no way that Bible says that. God says they're going to look on me. Who they did what to? Well, who did they pierce? You ought to shout the name of Jesus. God said, this is what's going to happen. 
You're going to look at me. It's the one you're going to pierce. Well, how can you pierce God? He's a spirit. He has no flesh and bone because God had to make a body, and then he had to get inside that body, and everywhere that body went, that was the minister, the example, the anointed one of God. It was the image of the invisible God. That's the one they pierced, and God said, that's going to be me right there. Who y'all piercing that side? That's me. You just pierced me. And that's why Peter said he has made that same Jesus both Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just because I'm feeling good, let me throw this at you. Just in case someone says, well, no, the Lord is, the, the Lord is, you know, sometimes they separate and say our Lord is Jesus and God is God. Maybe you've never heard that, but I've heard almost everything. The Lord, you know, he's Jesus, and then there's God and God. Okay, I don't have this in my notes. Give me Psalms chapter 100, verse number 3. Give me Psalms 100, verse number 3. Know ye that the Lord. <laughs> huh? There it is. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Hallelujah. Jesus, both Lord and Christ. I'm telling you, folks, when you call on the name of Jesus, you need to have understanding that you're calling upon the God of heaven. He's able to do all things. Amen? Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4. I'm really done, y'all. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. All right? I want to help somebody here. Woo! Praise God. I don't know if I'm just hot because I'm excited or if it's just hot in here. But if our gospel, this is powerful what Paul's saying, because this is our gospel. We believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe that he is the image of the invisible God. We believe that. We believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is our gospel. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that we must obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can't just believe in that and then we don't do nothing about that. But once you believe in that, then you obey it by your obedience to it. So then we repent, we die out, then we get baptized, we're buried, then we resurrect in newness of life, receiving the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and we walk in that newness of life. Amen? He says, but if our gospel be hid, it's only hid to them that are lost. You don't want to receive it. You don't want to believe it. That, that's what that, come on, this is what that scripture is saying. You, 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 you don't want to receive it. You don't want to hear it. It's here to them that are lost. Verse number four. It says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the binds of them which believe not. You see that? That's why we always need to pray for our minds. Pray for your children that are backslid. Pray for your children. Pray for your children's children. Lord, don't blind their minds. Lord, give them a desire to still hear your voice. Give them a desire to want to, I feel the Holy Ghost right in here. God, give my family. Help them, Lord Jesus, right now. Don't blind their minds. Don't blind their minds. Help them, Lord, no matter where they are, to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. That believe not, lest the light of the, there's that word again, glory, the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. There it is. It should shine unto them. 
Let's lift our hands unto the Lord. Come on. All across this building, let's lift our hands unto the Lord. Come on, let's lift up that name that's above every name. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Come on, come on. Wisdom is the principal thing. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. You ought to thank him for understanding today. Come on, you ought to thank him for understanding today. Maybe something today cleared your mind today. You ought to thank him for that. You ought to thank him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving me understanding. Thank you, Lord, because I know there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's one God who's father of all, who's above all, who's through all. I thank you, Jesus. When I call on the name of Jesus Christ, I know I'm calling on the heaven the Heavenly Father, the Eternal Father, the Holy One of Israel. Thank you, Lord, for you have glorified your Son. Thank you, Lord, the mighty God in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for that understanding. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify Him. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Listen, I, I could teach on this a whole nother hour because from Genesis to Revelation shows one God. <laughs> I, I could, I could teach on it. I mean, I could just keep teaching on it. There's all kinds of scriptures I, I could give you and teach on it. But I hope today that I gave you some more ammunition. I hope today that you can walk out of here saying, I I've got scriptures now that I've read for years, and now I've got clarity. I I've got a little bit more understanding. Because with greater revelation, with greater clarity, it will bring about two things. One, it will bring about greater worship. <laughs> Amen. And also, it will bring about greater results, believe it or not. It will bring about greater results. Because oftentimes, we lack what we lack because we are lacking understanding. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when you have greater understanding, you will not lack anymore in those areas. All right? Because there are too many people that are sitting in apostolic pews that are claiming one God and they don't even have understanding of that. Or they can't even explain that. Or if someone was to ask them, they can't go to a scripture that teaches that and then give understanding of it. That's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. It's the will of God for you to know what you know. That's why it says, get wisdom. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you're getting wisdom. I'm glad you're coming to church. I'm glad you show up for Bible study. But while you're getting that wisdom, you better get some understanding. You're collecting all this information, and you're walking out here the same way with no understanding, fighting the same devils when Jesus is saying, don't you know when you call on my name, don't you know who I am? 
don't you know who I am? I'm not some genie in a bottle. I'm everlasting to everlasting. When you speak my name, you're speaking something that is eternal, that can do all things. Hallelujah. That can take care of all things. That created all things. That's who I am. Hallelujah. So we're not just some other church. We're not just some other religion. No, uh, my friends, we are the church. Somebody needs to get that. I said we are the church. We are the church of the living God. Not just some random church, some random people. No, we have the validation, the, that stamp, if you will, from the Holy One of Israel, the mighty God in Christ. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet. I um, will have offering plate back in the back. Our ushers will be back there uh, for offering, for you to give in your tithing and in your offering. I want to encourage everyone to stay in your word, stay in prayer. Um, I feel that what we are, what's happening right now in our church and amongst our people, um, see, <laughs> See, Abraham would have never knew that God was Jehovah Jireh until he went through the situation of offering up his own son. It wasn't until that moment when he was getting ready to bring the dagger down and the angels stopped him and they provided, God provided a ram in the thicket, in the bush. And that's when Abraham said he called the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I'm saying that in the Holy Ghost right now because that is what's happening in the spirit. There's greater revelation. There's, there's things unlocking and unleashing in the Holy Ghost. And people are leaving out of this church with greater revelation and understanding to where you're going to understand who your God is. You're going to have greater understanding of who you're, and what that's going to do is it's just going to elevate you to a whole nother level. That when you speak that name over your life, over your family's life, over your home, you're going to understand that you have all the authority bagging you in that name. Hallelujah. That there's nothing lacking in that name. Hallelujah.